0: Hi, Richie. Hi, Richie. Hi, everyone. So people, I guess, might not be aware of this because we've kind of picked up our own audience over time. But like before I did stuff with Sin, I had my own solo channel and I talked about Bloodborne a lot on that. And I sort of drifted away from it and that's how Sin kind of found me. So we, we hit a Patreon goal and we decided to go back to this because it would let us sort of go through the whole game like from beginning to end and talk about everything that way instead of going into individual like sort of random topics in extreme detail so it's just going to be me for this hi richie oh thank god okay yeah (laughs) so i tried i tried doing this by myself but it didn't work at all because a lot has happened since 2015 and um I, I just felt like a dick talking to myself. So. <laughs> um, it's still it's still going to mostly be like the style that I was doing before, uh, but you, you Sin will be here to like steer the ship a bit and give me someone to talk to. So we're going to start where the game starts and that is Yosefka's Clinic. Oh, yeah. Pale blood. So the first thing that happens in the game, like literally the first thing that happens before we do anything, is that the Blood Minister mentions Pale Blood to us. And then after we create the character and wake up, there's also the note mentioning Pale Blood. So Pale Blood is, it sort of forms like a spine, like a through line for our progress through the game. So we're not going to talk about Pale Blood right now, we're going to talk about it at the very end because it sort of loops back around to the clinic. So I want to start by talking about the clinic itself as a building, the kind of building it is and how it's constructed and what happens there. Because that tells you an awful lot about the history of Yarnum and how Yanam got to the stage it's in now and Yanam's relationship with the Healing Church and its relationship with its own past. And throughout the game, as you return to the clinic, you get to see kind of the story of Janem play out in miniature in this building. And it it does a thing that a lot of the areas in Bloodborne do, where in terms of narrative progression, like not a great deal happens there, but they function by commenting on other areas. So the first thing that I find really interesting about the clinic, and it's something that again, the game does not outright say this, it's just built into the environment design, is that Yosefka's clinic isn't actually a clinic. It's an old mansion that's been converted into a clinic. Did you pick up on that when you played it?
1: Well, I thought it looked very mansion-y, but I figured that's what Victorian clinics in Bloodborne look like.
0: It didn't occur to me for a long time, because I remember I made a video on Yosefka's clinic about five years ago. And I had interpreted bits and pieces of the architecture as though they were part of a clinic. The obvious one is when you go into the the big hall with all the beds in it, there's a very obvious second story. And I had initially interpreted that as that's the gallery that you would watch operations from. If that's a hospital, it's a very bad hospital. Why? Because there's all these, like, the patients are all just lying there, like, directly as you walk in the front door. That's not, <laughs> that's not good practice. The thing about it being a mansion is that if you just run directly out of it, which most people do, you don't really get a sense of the structure of it. But if you go back in through the front door, you realize that the room with all the beds in it, where we encounter the scourge beast at the start of the game, that's the entrance hall so you you get a sense of like this this big mansion like that's the entrance hall and as you go through the room that we're ministered in, that's clearly like a waiting room again, it's very nonsensical to have a room that you perform operations in as also the only room that lets you get from the front to the back of the building like you'd want that room to be closed off. Yosefka even says that there's other things there that play up that it's a mansion there's a graveyard which is obviously not uncommon in Yarnum, but it's a very well kept graveyard and there's also a mausoleum nearby so you get the sense this is a family plot this is not a pile of like random graves like you see out the front right there's also the courtyard and if you look at the building from outside you see like there is a balcony and the building that we see from outside is significantly bigger than the building we're actually walking around The other thing is that the facade of the clinic, you see that throughout the Yarnum skyline. It's just a piece of Yarnum architecture. A good example is there's a very obvious one right near where Gilbert is staying. If you look off to the side, you see literally it's just the front of the clinic again. So you get a sense from all of this that Yosefka's clinic is a makeshift, almost field hospital that's been set up in this old abandoned mansion.
1: Can I ask a question? Okay. Who did the mansion belong
0: to? That's what I was going to get to.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Go ahead. Yes.
0: So obviously the game doesn't tell you who it belonged to. This is clearly a mansion because it's designed like one and because of the things that you find there. But at no point does it straight up say, like, this is the mansion that belonged to X. It just lets that be part of the environment. So what it ends up conveying is not necessarily like the story of the family that lived there, this is their name what it conveys is, oh, the grand sort of opulent history of Yarnum, this big beautiful mansion that presumably belonged to this family that lived there for generations, that has been turned into a grotty field hospital because the scourge of the beast is so prevalent, is so inescapable that it is literally swallowing up the history of this place. And the way that it's being used as a field hospital like this connects to the character of Yosefka, because she tells us something else about Yharnam and about the history of Yharnam and Yharnam's relationship with the church. So do you think Yosefka is part of the healing church? The real Yosefka.
1: I kind of viewed her as an independent contractor.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. I, I, I think it's pretty clear just from how she acts that she's not part of the healing church. And this is like really important to understanding what goes on here. So to start with, like the major thing is that the healing church at this point in the story, they've barricaded themselves in Cathedral Ward. Like, they're not leaving, with the exception of the imposter, who we'll talk about later. But the Healing Church have barricaded themselves away from the rest of Yharnam, and Yharnam have turned against the Healing Church. They, they are at war at this point in the story. So immediately, the notion of a Healing Church person just hanging around like operating this clinic doesn't make a great deal of sense. But then if you look at how Yosefka talks to you, she's very, very clearly, she is trying to help people
2: out on the hunt. Then I'm very sorry, but I cannot open this door. The patients here in my clinic must not be exposed to infection. I'll do what I can, of course, but I'm afraid nothing will change my mind. I cannot open the door. Please try to understand my position.
0: So compare that to the way the Healing Church operates because we've seen in the research hall like, what it was like there. The goal of the healing church was to get people to experiment on. It wasn't to actually heal anybody. It was to get subjects. They didn't turn anyone away. They didn't care about infecting people. If you look at how they actually operated, they were not attempting to heal people. They just wanted bodies to work on. The other big tell that Yosefka is not part of the healing church is that she gives you her own special blood vials. And those blood vials are much, much more potent than a regular blood vial. They heal a lot more. And if you look at the way that they're described, it says like this, this is a very, very special blood refinement process that is unique to this clinic. The most important part of the clinic, though, with regard to Yosefka not being part of the healing church, is that it's taken over at all. If she were part of the healing church, there would be no reason for the healing church to take over the clinic, because it would already be theirs. So when I talk about the clinic showing you the history of Yarnum playing out in front of you again, this is what I mean. What the imposter does is she transforms this clinic that was run by someone who wanted to heal people into a miniature version of the Grand Cathedral. She turns it into the research hall days that we see in the DLC. Because what happens is you end up with all the patients out the front. She's just saying, hey, send everyone here. Send everyone you can to my clinic. And she takes them upstairs, which is what the Healing Church did. the research hall, they took them up the lift. She's taking them upstairs, and she is performing these experiments on them to further her own ends. So when you line that all up, you get this story of this is this very, very old building, this important building in Yarnum where people used to live. As the scourge spread, it had to be gutted and turned into a field hospital because they don't have the resources anymore, because the Healing Church have monopolized all that into that sweeps the healing church again to take over a place that was at one point a place of healing and perverts it and turns it into this laboratory for them to perform these experiments so do you want to talk about the experiments now
1: let's talk about the experiments you know i'm all about experiments
0: So we'll start by talking about the imposter herself and what actually happens with her to just like reiterate that. So after you enter Erden Chapel for the first time, Yosefka is replaced by another character who is just called the imposter.
1: Do you think the imposter constructed that bridge?
0: This is what I was going to get to because what? Uh, okay, yeah, go on. Because the Healing Church have clearly been using the cave that's under the clinic. For a very long time when we go down there like there's a lot of bodies there there's a lot of them mm-hmm. there's a lot of the parasite lava that the game is a little inconsistent and cagey about what these things are but it's safe to assume that they're just they're a kind of vermin. okay yeah
1: and you don't think that the cave was used by josefka or mansion people or whatever
0: so that's actually a really interesting point because even though the healing church don't seem to have much of a presence in the clinic prior to the imposter taking over, there's a lot of evidence that they're coming and going through that passage that leads to Forbidden Woods. They've been coming and going through that. The thing about that cave is that it's full of healing church stuff, and the water down there, like, it's poisonous, but if you look at it, it's not a swamp. It's this very reflective, clear liquid, and it looks exactly like the liquid in the research hall, in that pool with all the corpses in it. So you can see, again, when we talk about the clinic becoming a mirror of the research hall, that's also got a pool of water that's full of corpses. So this ends up with one as well. And then as you leave that cave, you see on the rooftop, there's the white church set, which is what Yosefka's is wearing. And then when we get to Bergenworth, there's already people from the church there. So you you get the sense the church have been coming and going through this cavern for a very long time, even if they haven't had a presence in the clinic itself. So we'll talk now about what the imposter is doing, what the byproducts are, what the end result is, because like we said, this is the healing church in miniature, this clinic. So, what the imposter is doing is, she is, unlike the original Yusefka, she is desperate for patients. She just wants you to send her people. It doesn't matter what state they're in. It doesn't matter if they're infectious. She just wants them.
2: Oh, hello. You made it. Find any survivors or only beasts. Tell anyone who's human about Yusefka's clinic. I will take proper care of them. They're in your hands and soon mine
0: and what she's doing is she is experimenting on them to further what the game calls communion and the game shows this very overtly by sticking the big communion rune right next to a patient that she's been working on the game does this a lot with carol runes it will use the runes to comment on the area that you find them in so we always find communion runes in places that are relevant to communion it doesn't necessarily make rational sense that someone's written down the communion rune and left it in a chest there. It's using it to tell you, hey, this is a place where communion was being attempted. And um, I think it's also very important that it places it in a shaft of moonlight to show you like, what's going on with like communion and the moon and the great ones and everything. So what she is trying to do with the Celestials is she is trying to Continue on what they were doing in the research hall, which is that you're trying to experiment on people and alter their physiology, particularly their brains, so that they can commune with the Great Ones. They can commune with things that are beyond human comprehension, basically rewire their brains in a sense. The game is very overt about this with its use of Lumen Flower Gardens. Where in the base game, you will see the Celestials under the flowers. And then when we go back and we see what it used to be like, you can see that there's Healing Church patients and they have the same very large heads the Celestials have. They can do the same kind of arcane energy attacks that the Celestials can. They're not under the flowers, but they're kind of, they're like scraping around in the base of the flowers. So you can see, okay, across time, the patients of the Research Hall that developed into the Celestials. It might not be completely literal in that they just kept trying and trying and trying and Celestials were spat out. But the idea is that the Celestials are fulfilling the role that the patients did in the research holidays. And again, when we defeat the Celestial Emissary boss, we also get communion. We get an insight into the nature of the imposter's experiments by the items that she gives us in exchange for sending people to the clinic. The set of items we get depends on the relationship that we have with her, and that relationship can change. If we enter the clinic through the back door and approach the room that she's in, she'll realise we know what she's doing.
2: Moonlit sense. How did you worm your way in here? Very unfortunate. I had such high hopes for you. Well, I won't make any excuses. Would you mind leaving us alone? Things need not change. You'll do the rescuing, and I'll do the saving.
0: After becoming her accomplice, for every survivor we send, she'll give us some blue elixir and two insight. If we're not her accomplice, though, the items we get from the survivors are different and actually tell us something about the survivors themselves. If we send the old woman, Ariana, the narrow-minded man, or Adela to the clinic before becoming the imposter's accomplice, we get numbing mist mist as the default reward is kind of interesting on its own terms because we're told that numbing mist is something that only people from Kanehurst know how to make. This might go some way to explain why we find the Kanehurst summons in the clinic, because if the imposter knows how to make numbing mist, it's possible she's had some kind of dealings with or interest in Kanehurst. We get different rewards, though, from the afflicted beggar and from Gascoigne's daughter. If we send the beggar to the clinic before becoming her accomplice, we receive beast blood pellets instead of numbing mist. Since the beggar is a beast blood dealer, we could assume he has the beast blood on him and she's just giving us the item, but it's more likely that this is actually a byproduct of the experiments she's conducting. The reason it's more likely a byproduct is what happens with Gascoigne's daughter. If we send Gascoigne's daughter to the clinic, what we get in return is lead elixir. Lead elixir is an item that the game makes a point of linking very overtly to nightmares. Sending Gascoigne's daughter to the clinic this way is, in fact, one of only two ways we can get lead elixirs in Yarnum. The only other place we find them is a corpse outside the entrance to Yahagul, near where the amygdala is. The other thing that happens to Gascoigne's daughter if we send her to the clinic is that she's transformed into a celestial that drops the formless Erden rune. If Gascoigne's daughter is killed otherwise, she will not drop the rune, she'll drop the ribbon. During the transformation, Gascoigne's daughter achieved a kind of communion. She reached out to the Nightmare and she was touched by the Great Ones. This is the process that the imposter is attempting to refine.
2: We must find a way to surpass our own stupidity and cheers to the discovery of kinship.
0: We later see her attempt her own communion with the third chord under the red moon.
2: Have you felt this? It's progressing. I can see things. I knew it. I'm different. I'm no beast. I... Oh, God, it feels awful. But it proves that I'm chosen.
0: Like Pale Blood, third chords are an important part of the story that kind of carry us through to the end, so it’s not something we’re going to talk about right now. All that’s important to know right now is that third chords are a means of contacting the great ones. They’re a kind of talisman or a conduit that attracts their attention. This chord isn’t given an explicit point of origin, but it does mention that it’s a chord that Master Willem sought, which means it’s almost certainly from the Orphan of Cause. We meet the orphan on the beach where Koss's corpse is, but this is the nightmare orphan, not the orphan's physical body. If we listen to the women chanting in the houses, we find out that the orphan's physical body was taken away to Bergenworth.
1: Mother is dead, her baby taken. Mother
0: is dead, her baby taken. This is the source of the third chord. We talked before about how the clinic is like watching the Healing Church play out in miniature, so the fact that the imposter ends up with the exact same chord that started the whole story really does bring it full circle. All right, that was our tour of Yosefka's clinic, finally done. And um, we're going to do these in order, so I'll see you at the Hunter's Dream next time.
1: See you at the Hunter's Dream. But, Richie. Yes. What if I wanted to see you 10 years in the future?
0: That's an awkward question.
1: (laughs) Not if you have the 10-year bazooka. And, Richie, if people wanted to find out about the 10-year bazooka, Mafia Babies, The Policy, and Katekia Hitman Reborn. Where could they
0: look? There is also a podcast on this channel where Sin made me watch Reborn. <laughs> Season one. Mm-hmm.
1: And the podcast is called The Policy. And in it, we we'll watch Reborn and analyze it episode by episode. And I'll put the link in the description. Thank you, Richie.
0: Thank you, Sin. Bye, everyone.
1: Ciao, I'm <laughs>